this is Adam Roy with the Veteran Affairs Office of Inspector General. You're listening to Inside Oversight, our podcast that dives into published reports and features interviews and discussions with the OIG employees who did the work. Today, we're covering a recent management advisory memorandum published on the topic of wait times, specifically how the Veterans Health Administration calculates and discloses them. To help me do this, I've got Daniel Morris, a director with our Audits and Evaluations Office, joining me. Uh, Daniel, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the listener a little bit about what you do here for the OIG. Yeah, thanks, Adam. As you said, I'm a director in the Office of Audits and Evaluations. Um, I've been conducting this oversight work for VAOIG for about 15 years now. Uh, Many of the projects I've been involved in over that time have focused on the area of access to care, including patient wait times, appointment scheduling practices, consult management, community care programs, and VA. Great. Glad glad you're here with us today. Now, the VAOIG has published previous reports on wait times, and it's certainly a topic that generates a lot of interest on the Hill, among veteran service organizations, and among veteran patients and their families. Um, So let's just start with what's different about this report? Yeah, you're right in that it's different than prior reports and assessments. Um, This one's focused on how VA publicizes, really how they calculate and disclose uh, its appointment wait time data. Uh, So unlike audits and reviews of the past, this work didn't assess the timeliness of appointments or staff compliance with scheduling policies or procedures, for instance, uh, but really looking at um, how they disclose and calculate their their VA appointment wait times data. It's complex, it's complicated, uh, a lot of different terminology, and there's so many ways to do it, so many ways to calculate uh, appointment wait times, Um, and certainly uh, no, no one standard way uh, that everyone agrees on. So since 2014, the law dictates that VA published data about patients' wait times for medical appointments in the VA facilities. Uh, so they do this, VA does this on a dedicated website. Um, it's certainly fair to say that calculating these these times can be pretty complex, as I mentioned. And it's been challenging for VHA to consistently implement a, a suitable methodology that really reflects the amount of time patients wait and to be transparent and accurate in that in that reporting. And so that's really what this report focuses on, Adam. Perfect. Uh, and let's talk about that uh, and how, what led you and your team down this path. But first, uh, let's share with the listener a little bit about uh, the Management Advisory Memorandum, or as we call it, the MAM, you know, uh, what it is and, you know, why we do them. Yeah, so what we're doing with our results in this project is we're laying them out in the, in the MAM, like you mentioned. Um, so that goes from the OIG to the department. Um, and the OIG, we issue these memos when it uh, when important circumstances on areas of concern are identified in our work, in the course of our work, uh, particularly when it's uh, an immediate action by VA can help reduce any further risk or, or issues. So this memo in particular, it addresses concerns that were raised about how VHA was reporting on wait times for appointments. And it's really meant to alert VA of what we identified in the course of that examination. So memos such as this one, they're published. Uh, just like any other report, unless otherwise prohibited. Um, and it's hoped that the information that we have in this memo will really help VA advance its efforts. Excellent. Thanks, Daniel. So let's go back and, you know, how did this all get started? How did your team get involved? So this memorandum addresses concerns that were raised about how VHA was reporting wait times for appointments. And we received these concerns in June of 2021 when a complaint alleged to us that two years prior in the fall of 2019, uh, the then acting principal deputy undersecretary for health had been informed that VHA's wait times uh, reporting may be misleading 
but then the VHA took no action in response to that. So after our initial examination, uh, what we found was there was no basis to proceed with the misconduct investigation of that particular VHA official. Um, we found no evidence of an intent or an effort to mislead. We did find that there were some efforts to improve the wait time disclosures. Uh, they have been under consideration, but um, based on interviews, they have been deferred by other priorities, such as the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, each of the witnesses that we interviewed told us that um, that the VHA official in question had been supportive of the efforts to refine the approach to measuring wait times. And uh, in, in fact, that they had instructed other staff to um, update the disclosures on the websites to account for new methodologies, but we found that that action had not been taken yet. Okay. So in kind of in summary, your team determined, you know, at first that no misconduct, uh, misconduct wasn't present and it was other urgent priorities, you know, obviously the pandemic that delayed uh, VHA's efforts to um, update its website, uh, you know, specifically on how wait times are calculated and what methodologies are deployed. However, though, as the report reveals, uh, you did observe that VHA failed to present wait times to the public clearly and consistently. And as the report indicates, VHA calculated wait times multiple ways. Right, Adam, and that's what we want to get across in this in this memo to VA. Um, since at least 2014, VAs used different, several different methodologies, really, um, particularly using different start dates for calculating the wait times that they report online, uh, as well as you know, when they're determining community care eligibility criteria. So we found that the methodologies that VHA used sometimes deviated from uh, their own policies and their own um, announcement that they made in 2014 about how they would calculate wait times. Um, and by doing that, by using inconsistent methods and start dates and not clearly um, describing them, when you do post that information, it can be misleading and, and misinterpreted by the user. Um, certainly affects the overall calculations depending on when you start that uh, calculation. Um, and like I said, whoever's using that information and, and assessing what the wait times is, is, is perhaps not getting a full picture depending on what calculation is used. Big picture wise, this report details several observations made by your team. So in a way that the main problems we want to share that you want to share with the VA leaders, can you briefly describe these these areas, these observations that were made, and then we'll go into more detail on uh, some of those. Yeah, and there are some overlapping issues here. Uh, overall, the the team made uh, the following determinations. Um, I'll put them in four categories. First, uh, VA developed the standards in 2014 for how they wanted to calculate what they publicly reported wait times. So at that time, they decided to use the provider's clinically indicated date, or if that wasn't present, a veteran's preferred date. The second point, this ma'am shows that when and how VHA uses an inconsistent or different start date for its calculating wait times, it's going to be potentially misleading and, and result in inaccurate reporting. Third, um, VHA eventually published the wait time data based on start dates that were in, inconsistent with its policy and, and previously stated methodologies. Um, and they were also inconsistent with the description that they had on their own websites. And then the final main point that we'll make in this, ma'am, is that VA implemented new access standards in 2019 under the Mission Act for Determining Community Care Eligibility. 
in which they decided to use um, a different start date, and that's going to be the, the date of the appointment request. Okay. So let's start with those standards. Uh, you said, you know, that as a result of the Choice Act in 2014, VA has been publishing wait times on a public-facing website. Uh, the VA's methodology for calculating wait times was reported to Congress. And I want you to share with the listeners sort of the process on how VHA reported wait times and then break down the different defined dates that were and are being used to identify the start of a wait period. Or maybe just simply put, how is wait time calculated? It gets technical. Uh, it is important, really, to first understand the general process and various start dates that VA has used um, in determining their wait times. So for VA facility appointments, a request for care can be made by the veteran themselves, or a lot of times it's by a provider requesting care uh, by way of a consult or an order. Um, then a scheduler identifies an available appointment uh, date and time for that uh, requested clinic and creates the appointment in the scheduling system. So what VA does with this data is it aggregates it into uh, and produces reports, and, and that's the way that they show the timeliness of its care. Um, their appointment scheduling processes, they include several different timestamps, um, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated uh, because they've used a lot of different timestamps when they measure these appointment wait times, uh, especially in the with the starting dates. And so in our report, we talk about a number of those different timestamps, um, including the request date, which, like I mentioned, is usually when the veteran or provider asks for that appointment. Uh, the clinically indicated date is something that the provider would put in a consult uh, indicating when the veteran should be seen. Um, a preferred date is uh, appears when uh, a veteran requests for a specific date if there's not a clinically indicated date uh, provided. And then a create date really represents when the scheduler took the action to make that appointment in a scheduling system. And then you have the appointment date, which which is when the care was delivered. Okay, Daniel. So VHA's used request date, clinically indicated date, preferred date, create date, appointment date. You know these different start uh, these different dates to identify start times and ultimately wait times. Uh, what they used in 2014 may have changed uh, over the last several years, and and has there not been a lot of consistency in their approach? Yeah, so over the past several years, uh, VA has used several different um, methodologies in calculating the wait times for different purposes. Um, even measured internally prior to 2014, um, they generally used a measurement from the create date. You know, since then, they've used a number of different methods. Um, and it all really depends on on where they're posting it and how they're describing it, that, that's really important to the user that's reading what the wait times are. But generally speaking, you're right, Adam, they've used different methodologies for different purposes. And what is an acceptable wait time? Uh, you know, did the VA set a goal for that? So there's no one standard uh, methodology that everybody's agreed on. The Choice Act defined VA's wait time goal, so this is in 2014, the Choice Act defined the goal as being no more than 30 days from the date which a veteran requests an appointment. Um, the Choice Act also allowed VA to develop its own methodology, which it did, um, so long as they reported that to Congress and, and made that notice in the Federal Register. So VA did that in 2014 uh, on the heels of the Choice Act, and, and they decided that at that time that um, they were going to post wait time data 
by facility on their public website uh, and that they were going to use the preferred date for both new and established patient appointments. That's how they were going to display their wait times. Okay. And then in 2017, VHA began posting wait times on a newer public website, the Access to Care website. And here, the start date to calculate wait times was not consistent with the original website's methodology, nor consistent with what was presented to Congress and described in VHA published policy. Can you talk about the differences there? Right. So starting in 2017, we have VA posting wait time data on a newer, different public website. Uh, while the other website is still up um, and both available to the public. Um, so VA announced uh, that this new website, which is called the Access to Care website, it, it was really aimed at giving the users, really giving veterans a, a specific view of, and a user-friendly view of what wait times were at, that, at their own facility for the specific service that they were looking for, whether it's primary care or a specific type of, type of specialty care. So now in, in 2017, you have two public websites with wait time data that are using different methodologies. Okay. And so these different start date definitions that you've been talking about, we've kind of covered here. Um, the report does a really good job outlining. Um, it give, provides a good example. That's figure one for reference if you're uh, going to go find this report, listeners out there. Uh, it talks about how different starting points resort uh, different starting points result in different wait time calculations. Can you sort of walk through that example uh, for the listener, kind of help provide sort of a, the map on how um, different using different start dates lead to different data points? Right. It can be confusing, um, which is why it's important that VA clearly really indicates what starting points they're using when they're displaying or presenting this information. Um, and so I'll, I'll provide you an example, but just uh, generally, you know, the intervals between that that request date that we've talked about or, you know, that create date or even the clinically indicated date to the point where the patient is actually seen, those intervals can vary greatly. And it really just depends on the, the facility and the service and the timing of it. So, for example, uh, we've got a scenario in the report, an example that you mentioned illustrating, you know, how you could conclude different wait times for the same appointment. Um, and so this example, let's say it's requested on, on June 28th, and it's a VA provider requesting an, uh, a specialty care appointment, a cardiology appointment for the veteran. Uh, so they're requesting it on June 28th. They put in their consult, and the, they enter a clinically indicated date of the same day, which, which is not unusual. It typically means the provider wants this patient to be seen as soon as possible. Okay, so then that consult goes over to the cardiology department. Um, in this example, a few weeks later on July 21st, so about three weeks later, the appointment is then created by the scheduler in that department. And then uh, again, several weeks later on September 2nd, the patient is actually seen for an appointment. So in this example, um, we have a, a request day, we have a appointment create date and we have an appointment completed date. Um, if the wait time is reported using the request date to the appointment date, so from point A to, to C, I'll call it, it would show a wait time of 66 days. Um, however, if you're reporting uh, wait times using the create date when that appointment was created, so really kind of B to C, it's going to show a shorter wait time of 43 days and not include 
that first window, which I'll call it's the time to to schedule the appointment. Right. And in that in the report, uh, you indicate uh, the report indicates that the you know there's multiple instances where the create date was made two, five, even more days after the initial request date. So what sort of impact did that have on calculating wait times overall? Correct. And this is just one example. Um, I look through VA appointment data shows um, there's varying gaps from the date of request to the appointment create date. You know, sometimes it could be the same day, but usually that's not the case. There's a there's one, a few, several days that pass until between that request and, and the appointment create date. So what VA is missing when it rolls up their average wait times data in this way is is really that time to schedule. And so if you think about it from a couple of different perspectives, first from the veteran's perspective, um, you know, they're looking at it as, you know, I requested or my provider requested me to be seen in this service on this date. I'm waiting from that point in time, that request date. Um, however, if, if and when VA is calculating using starting on that create date, then they're, then they're not including that time that it takes, however long, a few days, several days, a couple weeks to get that appointment scheduled in the system. So they're missing out on that, on that portion of the report of the, um, of the time that the veteran's waiting. So that's going to add some confusion. And then if we return back to the 2017 access to care website, uh, we have a situation here where the, uh, the report described how VHA calculated average wait times is vague. Could you expand upon that? Yeah, vague because it doesn't directly state what's used for new patient appointments. What it does, what the description su suggests is that wait times for new point patient appointments are calculated from the request date. Um, the, the site goes on, and I'll quote the site, the VA's website here. It says, request is the most accurate measure for new veterans because it represents the actual veteran, actual average days a veteran is waited for an appointment. Um, However, what we found in our analysis of this uh, website data for new patient appointments is that VHA actually measured them from the create date and not the request date as the website reports. And as we talked about in the example, you know, we now know what the gap, what the difference is between those two. Um, further uh, supporting the analysis that, that we had were our uh, interviews with VHA officials and when they told us that they've been calculating the wait times for new patient appointments from the create date on this website since it was created in 2017. So for the last four years, uh, give or take, uh, VHA has operated two websites that calculated wait times differently. Right. And so they have the initial website, public website, and now this access to care website a few years later using two different methodologies. But, but the initial website was, was still up and running. And so for, uh, we have a, a good comparison chart in our report. It shows that for a four-year time period, they had both up and uh, both representing VA patient appointment wait times, but using a different measurement on each. So it can get confusing. And I, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, when VA is not clear on what it's using, it can certainly be misleading to the user of the data, whether that's the veterans or, or media or, or other stakeholders. So with sure. this website, with this Access to Care website, what we have is a description that suggests one thing, uh, and it's measured from another. 
And, you know, given the sensitivity of wait times over the past years and, and the attention that it's uh, brought, it's just really important for VA to be as transparent as possible uh, on what they're displaying and, and what these wait times represent. Absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, let's change gears just a little bit. Uh, so the report also talked about a 2019 study that attempted to compare VA's wait times with wait times in the private sector. Can you kind of briefly share some background on that? Yeah. So in addition to the, the publicizing the wait times on the Access to Care website, uh, in January 2019, JAMA published a study and it was authored by uh, then um, current and former VA leaders. And what it did was compare wait times for new patient appointments in the VA versus that of the private sector. Um, the study methodology section stated that the VA wait times were calculated from the day that a veteran requested an appointment. So again, we have the request date described in its methodology. Now, we weren't able to precisely verify what method was used for, for certain based on the data. Um, however, according to the VHA, according to VHA officials that we interviewed, uh, the data VA used was measured from the create date. And again, we have uh, the difference there that we have talked about already. Okay. Uh, kind of staying in 2019, um, let's kind of hone in on the Mission Act a little bit, which expanded veterans' access to health care in the community or at non-VA facilities. Uh, you know, specifically, the Mission Act implemented new standards. And so how did those, how did those new standards relate to wait times? Yeah, so the Mission Act, like you said, it continued community care, but there were some adjustments to the eligibility criteria, eligibility requirements. So VA created their regulations for the Mission Act that went into effect in June of 2019, like you mentioned, um, in which one of those one of those pieces of criteria, one of those standards, is that a veteran is eligible for community care if the VA can't schedule them in-house um, within 20 days for primary care or 28 days for specialty care, for instance, and within 20 days and 28 days of what? Well, this one is of request date. So VA's regulations that they created for the Mission Act standards is starting with um, the request date. So what VA is using to determine, it's, it's a different earlier start date than the point that they're measuring from for average wait times displayed online, right? Uh, and, it, and again, it's measuring from that request date, whether that's a request from a VA provider when they enter the consult um, or a request from the veteran directly. So there's, it's, it's two different approaches. Two different approaches. And there's an important distinction here um, because you're right, the average wait times posted online are not the same as community care eligibility determinations. Two different purposes, two different approaches. Um, VA's reported wait time data online that we've talked about leading up to this, those are retrospective appointment data. Those are completed appointments that already happened, um, generally based on the last months of appointments. And, and again, like we talked about, there's, those were measured from the create date. Now with community care eligibility determinations, they are looking at the schedule in real time, staff are looking at the schedule in real time, taking that request, whether it's from the veteran or provider, and looking ahead in the schedule and, and determining, can, can this VA clinic see this patient within the 20 or 28 day standards? And if they can, they'll schedule them. 
if they cannot, then it's a discussion with the, with the patient, with the veteran to say, now, you know, we can't see you within the standards. You know, the next available is say 35 days. Now you have the option. Do you want to explore seeking community care or do you want to wait for a VA appointment? So that's the difference there. Okay. Now, will VHA, you know, work to align wait time calculations with these community care standards? It appears so, um, because what VA has done with uh, having two different approaches and two different purposes has really caused a lot of confusion um, inside and outside VA. And so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of conflation between average wait times posted online versus does that equate to am I eligible for community care? So the short answer to that is no, they don't relate. It's two different purposes, two different measurements. But to to avoid that, VA has recognized that there's some confusion there. And and what they've told us is that since 2019, um, they've been discussing how to align their average wait time data that they post online to how they're determining community care to make it more apples to apples because right now it's not and they want to be consistent. Um, so that means they're, re- they're really wanting to measure the average wait times online from the request date too, as much as possible. Uh, so they've acknowledged that um, when we interviewed them in July of June and July of 2021, um, they indicated that they were still discussing the matter. Um, we mentioned earlier that you know it, this had been deferred because of other priorities such as COVID, but now they're rediscussing the matter again. Um, and, and it appears that they're moving that way. However, no changes have been made as of the time that, that we've drafted our report. So Daniel, what needs to happen next to improve wait time consistency and transparency? Well, the bottom line is VHA needs to consider a consistent methodology that they're going to be able to accurately describe. And that's, that's really also going to help them out, help them communicate those methods more transparently in the future um, and not get into um, conflating the two and, you know, public users being confused on one versus the other and how they relate or don't relate. Thanks, Daniel. Is there anything else you want to add today? Yeah, so just to wrap up, I mean, given the the significance of, of wait times in the past and the, the attention that it gets and, um, you know, how useful this information can be to veterans and other users, you know, it's really important that like we mentioned before, VA is, is clear and transparent in what they're posting. That, that really gives veterans a, a true understanding of what they're looking at. Um, you know, by by putting this information in the MAM, you know, we're hopeful that it's it gives a, a good, clear walkthrough of of the processes and and the challenges involved, and and for VA leaders to to take it and and potentially continue their improvement efforts on on making this as clear as possible for, for themselves and for the veterans. Um, you know, with a MAM, there's no formal recommendations like we would a, a typical report, uh, but we do ask VA to, to let us know what their plans are to, to take this information and to uh, improve upon these issues. Um, and we'll monitor that. We'll, we will uh, continue to monitor, you know, any potential updates that they're conducting on their website uh, as we think that they're doing. Um, you know, potentially revisit this topic in the future, depending on those actions. Um, like I said, it's an important topic for veterans and other stakeholders. Um, 
And for those listening, uh, the report that you'll be able to find online is called Concerns with Consistency and Transparency in the Calculation and Disclosure of Patient Wait Time Data. Um, and, and Adam, it was a really good opportunity to um, <clears throat> you know, discuss this topic with a lot of senior VHA officials and really get their perspectives and understandings and, and, and really understand the challenges behind um, this issue. Daniel, appreciate that. That's really good insight. As Daniel mentioned, you can find concerns with consistency and transparency in the calculation and disclosure of patient wait time data on our website, www.va.gov forward slash OIG. Appreciate uh, your time today, Daniel, and thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Adam. This has been an official companion podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. Companion podcasts are produced by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs and are available at va.gov forward slash OIG. Please subscribe and tune in monthly to hear how our work is helping to improve the lives of veterans. Visit the website to learn more about how the VA OIG serves veterans by conducting meaningful, independent oversight. Report potential crimes related to VA, waste or mismanagement, potential violations of laws, rules, or regulations, or risks to patients, employees, or property to the OIG online, or call the hotline at 1-800-488-8244. If you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 and speak with a qualified responder now.